Hi guys, welcome back to On Call with Insignia, where we go on call with leaders innovating the future of Southeast Asia's digital economy, or as we like to call it, ASEAN Innovation. I'm your host, Paolo Quina. For this call, we have on call with us one of the leaders of Flip, very well known in Indonesia as you know one of the largest and leading money movement platforms, money transfer platforms in the country. More than 10 million users at this point. Last, we had somebody from Flip on the show. It was Rafi, the CEO and co-founder of Flip. Back then, they had just crossed over 7 million users, and that was around six months ago. Now they've crossed 10 million, and that certainly owes a lot to both, you know, very product-centric growth and also, you know, uh, a lot of customer obsession, which would not be possible without their engineering team as well. And so we have none other than, you know, their VP of engineering with us on call today, Henry Surya Wirawan. So he'll be sharing with us not just about how he entered Flip and his approach to, you know, tech and his views on cloud and all these other things that he's been following, but also, you know, other interests and projects that he's been working on. He's also well known in his own circles as the host of Tech Lead Journal, a podcast about technical leadership and excellence. I'm very happy and excited to have Henry on call with us today. Before we go on call, be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platforms. And stay tuned for our latest insights on our Twitter at InsigniaVC and Instagram at Insignia underscore VC. Now let's get into the call. So thanks again for this invitation. So I'm really pleased to have you as well interviewing me. So I think thanks for the opportunity. And I noticed that you could pronounce my surname really well. So I'm impressed. Yeah, I didn't try to rush it. Just try to be as precise as possible. Of course, since you're our guest on the show. To kick things off, I just wanted to give a little intro to Henry. So as I mentioned, he's a VP of engineering at Flip. He's a you know generous software engineer. He's had experience with a lot of different companies across multiple industries, including Great Eastern, Barclays, JP Morgan, Singapore GovTech, Google Cloud. And he's you know not just I would say an engineer or an engineering leader, but he's also very much an influencer and a thought leader as well. As I mentioned, he's a host of Tech Lead Journal podcast, also a cloud advocate, and he's also delivered a lot of talks as well in different events, especially Google Cloud Next, Google Cloud Summits, and on all these other conferences. So he holds his master's IT in business from Singapore, from SMU, Singapore Management University. And in his spare time, he loves to read books and no surprise, also loves to listen to podcasts. And he's also, as I've seen on his LinkedIn, run standard chartered Singapore Marathon 7 times, right? Seven times. Wow. Is it happening again this year? Yeah, I saw some advertisements lately. They are bringing it back, but I probably would not join this year. I mean, you've already done it seven times, right? So I think that's a lot under your belt and then you can always come back next year or the following year. So yeah, I wanted to kick things off by asking, you know, how you encountered Slip, having been through a lot of these different companies and done a lot of work in various industries, why you decided to get into fintech and into Flip in particular. To look back at my career journey, so I've been fortunate to have experienced a lot of different industries, different types of companies from, you know, MNC, locals, big tech, consulting, government and all that. So I think I've always had this passion working in a product company and especially in a startup. So I joined a startup maybe five, six, seven years back. And I was kind of like very, very happy there, even though the startup didn't end up, you know, successful. But at least I had a lot of fulfillment working there and creating something out of nothing, right? And I think that passion, that thrill stays with me, even though I've moved on and joined multiple companies. And Flip apparently offers similar opportunity, if not better, because at this stage, Flip can be considered as a scale up. So I think that's why I decided to join Flip and take this opportunity to also go back to my passion. 
the scale up maturity with the startup energy, <laughs> so to speak. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> right. So you weren't VP of engineering right away when you entered Snip and you sort of progressed in the company as well, right? So maybe you can share with us how was the experience growing even professionally within a company like that, like a hyper-growth company like Flip, and what has been your biggest impact so far in your time with the company? At least from my point of view, any startups that you join, right, definitely there are many kind of a problems that you can solve. So I think the key things here is what can you solve within the first time you join, right? And what are the biggest impact out of those problems that you solve? So I think the key thing for me is always trying to look for opportunities where I can bring my value, bringing impact, and also at the same time, growing the companies together, right? So I think for the past one year, I think it's been a very long journey, I feel, <laughs> and a lot of challenges, but I'm happy to share that some of the things that I've done with the team, right? So things like resolving reliability issue, making Flip much more available to our customers, also helping to grow best practices within the engineering team, growing the team itself from, I think, around 50 when I joined. Now it's more than a hundred plus, so almost like double the team size. And yeah, just bringing more best practices based on my previous experience working at Google, working at ThoughtWorks, things like automation, CICD, observability, and all that. And just bringing the team up to the level that we all aspire to be, right? So more world-class engineering team that can be recognized globally. The keyword there is world-class, especially coming from a startup that has already gotten a lot of traction. Now the next stage is really how do you make it really world-class, right? And, and bring it up to par with many other tech companies around the world. And you've certainly been able to do that across different areas. I was also curious to know, how's your working relationship with the CTO, Lukman? Lukman is a very supportive, very humble, right? So that is a few things. Those are the few things that I really took admiration from him. So since day one, even before then, day minus one, right? So when we met and we kind of like chatted about the opportunity. So he was very supportive and very humble. And I, I like the approach, how he built the culture within the team, within the company as well. So I think all the founders, Lukman, Ari, and Anja, right? They are pretty, pretty much, how should I say, stay, stay within the root, right? So even though the company has grown into this big, I don't think they ever feel like they are like a big shots now. So I think that's something that I really admire from them. Yeah. They're very humble founders for sure. And just very focused on, on what they want to build. But you mentioned earlier also that you brought a lot from your past experiences from Google ThoughtWorks and all these different companies into Flip. I wanted to ask also, like, what have you had to leave behind from those experiences? What have you had to unlearn from your past experiences going into Flip? So, of course, I mean, any workplace that you are at, right, they are all different. So you, you can't definitely reuse the same thing that work 100%. There'll be some things that you have to adjust and adapt accordingly. So I think Flip as a company, right, offers me also a very different opportunity. And like I mentioned in the beginning, right, so I've never worked in a scale-up company before. So actually Flip is probably my first scale-up experience. And it also offers me a lot of challenges, right? As you know, typically scale-up, they grow very rapidly, not just in terms of business opportunity, but also team size, uh, number of people, right, culture, and also growing problems, right? Because there are so many things not well-defined and you are there to help solve maybe creating processes, standard operating procedures, creating culture, telling people best practices that they can adhere to. So I think this kind of experience definitely very unique for me. Also, if you have heard this phrase before, right, building the plane while flying it. So this is actually a very, very true working in a scale-up. So this is literally what we're doing, building the plane as it is flying. So sometimes some engines may not work properly. So we have to find a way to figure out how to fix it. You mentioned also, you know, first time working fully remote as well. And that's something that I've talked about with, with Ari several times. How are you able to really bring together a team even as you're fully remote? And that sort of leads me to my next question, which is about culture, right? 
So how would you describe Flip's company culture from your own perspective? How does it reflect in the way that you lead the engineering team? One thing that stood out even before I joined Flip is their culture, which they mentioned as one word, which is fairness. It's just one word, very simple. And that struck me because I rarely see any company that just choose one thing, <laughs> right? And it means a lot because from their point of view, fairness is like the key, not just within the company culture, but actually also to our users. So we want to bring financial fairness to all Indonesians within, you know, their financial transactions, you know, money movement, any kind of things that help them to actually save money and reduce costs. So this is, I think, one thing that strikes me. Of course, over the time, we kind of like grow. And when the company started, I think that's how they have the vision to bring the financial fairness to the users and also the employees. So definitely fairness. And it's rooted in what the, the pain point that FIF has been trying to solve since way back in, in 2015, right? And so I was also curious to know how, you know, with regards to the remote work culture, Flip was one of the at least first companies that at least I read about in the market that 100% went fully remote amidst 2020, right? So from your perspective, like what are some of the best practices that you've adopted in terms of managing an engineering team uh, that's fully remote? I, I understand that for engineering folks, maybe it might be a little bit easier to switch or was it not? What was the case for you? I mean, to be frank, this is also my first experience working fully remote. Most of the people are also during the pandemic. I would not probably say best practices, but things that I observe working for us, right? So I think work from anywhere or working from distributed offices brings a lot of challenges in terms of communications and also relationship. I mean, we all are human nature, right? So we love that kind of personal relationship, having face-to-face -face meetings, discussions and all that always help. I mean, these days we have so many technologies, Zoom, Google Meet, whatever that is that you use. I mean, they can probably facilitate this kind of information exchange, but still it's not the same as the personal relationship touch. So I think for me, the way that I'd like to probably advise people is to still don't forget about this personal touch. Yeah, maybe you can still work, everything still can flow, the information, the exchanges and all that. But at the same time, we should not treat people just like any other, you know, webinar or just people to just do the work. So I think from time to time, we need to have this personal touch, maybe light discussion and have a very casual communication. I think that is key. At the same time, I think work from anywhere brings this, how should I say, this notion of no time separation. Because previously you go to office, you have like a transition phase where, okay, in the morning you get up, you, you travel from home to work, and then you have some rituals, probably make coffee or whatever that is. And then you start to work. But these days, at least for me, well, after I wake up, I just straight away go to, you know, my laptop and work. So I think this one is also a gotcha for many people because the moment that you always follow this flow, there will be a lot of times that you cannot detach from work. And especially these days, you, you use Slack or any kind of a communication messaging tools, you'll get instant response from people, right? So sometimes you have to be aware of how to also detach yourself, not to always be in the working mode all the time. So I think those two things are, to me, very important, personal touch and also how to detach yourself so that you are not, you know, burned out or stressed all the time. Right. And we'll talk a little bit more about the detachment methods that you adopted as well. But first, I also wanted to get into the relationship aspect, the first part of your answer, right? And how does that, you know, reflect in your leadership approach? And for example, managing people with different approaches to how they want to work and maybe resolving certain issues or, or making decisions that need to be resolved. So I would say that leadership, regardless whether you are working from anywhere or working from office, right, stays largely the same. So I think the key thing first is you have to want to work with people, right? Because leadership management is about leading people. 
And I think the key thing for me is the servant leadership, right? So you are there as a leader, not to just meet the company's goals or just do stuff, but you are there to actually serve the people working with you, together with you, right? So I like the approach where I'm leading from the trenches, right? So it's not necessarily always just giving high level direction, maybe write documents, let people read and then let them just do it, right? So sometimes it works, but I, I'm the one who also like to be there with them. So resolving issues as they encounter it, or maybe just have this discussion about what's the best way to approach given a certain options or situations. So that will be probably key for me. So servant leadership, where you're not there just to be the boss, right? So you are there also to serve with them and also solve problems together. And sometimes I think this is also the place where you recognize people's character, build personal relationship, and also learn from them. So leaders are not always the best person, the one with the most knowledge, but there are also new things that you can learn from people who are doing the work because they are closer to the actual problems rather than the leaders. So this is, I think, one thing that I would love to advise all the leaders out there. And I think another important thing for me in part of the leadership, which I learned throughout my journey in Google, is this concept called psychological safety. I think many people would have heard about this term psychological safety over and over again, but I think that is really, really crucial because the moment that you can, let's say, for example, in your office, you can safely say, okay, I have psychological safety. That actually means a lot. That actually means people are not afraid to say what they want or exchange ideas or just raise any kind of concerns, right? And the leaders are also acceptable towards that. So when you have this kind of culture and when people can safely say, okay, I have psychological safety, that actually means that you really have a great culture and you really have a good leadership. Thanks for bringing that concept up. I mean, it's something we hear all the time, but it's, it's one of those easier said than done <laughs> concepts. And I also love that you mentioned about being with them. And of course, I mean, as the team goes, we mentioned like more than a hundred engineers, it's hard to split your seven-day week or even five-day week across a hundred people. So I'm sure you have to be really selective and strategic with, with how you manage your time as well. I was also curious to know like how your time in Flip has influenced the way you view engineering or, or building tech products as a profession. The key for me is when you work in a startup, you can't take forever just to build something, right? So you always have to have these iterations, short feedback loop, build something, test it, see how the users like it or maybe find it beneficial, then come back and rebuild or maybe change a little bit, right? So I think the key thing, even though it's probably harder to do rather than saying it, right? But we always need to have this kind of discipline of always trying to find ways to build in iterative way. People outside call it agile or maybe call it short iterations or whatever that is. But I think that is essential for any kind of startups. In fact, I think that can also be adopted in any technology company because as we can tell, right, the world is actually very, very large, full of complex problems. Nobody can actually crack the solution just by doing it once. So we always have to iterate and try to find the feedback loop the fastest as possible. You have a lot of engineers who are working with you and maybe most of them are also junior developers and things like that. And they also have their own career aspirations and like yourself want to grow within the companies that they work at. So what advice do you have for those maybe developers and engineers who just started out their career and looking to take on leadership roles down the road? So I've mentioned a couple of things just now in the previous questions, right? So you have to be comfortable working with people. So leadership doesn't mean that you're just there just to set direction and goals, but you have to be comfortable really working with people. And at leadership position as well, you have to deal with ambiguity especially in the startups. So there's no well-defined process. 
there's no well-defined problem sometimes, right? So you really need to be able to work with ambiguity and navigate through that. So sometimes that also means exercising your innovation, creativity, right? Also just experimenting. So I think that is really key. Servant leadership, again, I would just emphasize one more time, right? So your job as a leader is to serve your people and also create psychological safety as much as you can. Bias for action and execution. I think this is also very important. In fact, it's not just applicable for startups. Any kind of big companies also want their people to have this bias for action and execution. We all know that everyone has good idea, great ideas, but not many can actually execute them really well and make it happen. So don't be the person who just create ideas, but make that ideas happening. And lastly, I would just say leadership is not necessarily a role. It doesn't mean that you have to go through, I don't know, five, 10 years of your career experience, then you become a leader. It's basically an activity that anyone could take. Something you can exercise already, even in whatever role that you have. That's correct. You'll never be ready to become a leader. Even though you have 20 years of experience, there will be times when you feel, oh, this is out of my depth. But don't be afraid. Exercise your leadership and ownership mentality in any opportunity that you can find. So I'm sure by following these kind of uh, tips, probably you'll grow much faster compared to the others. One thing I also wanted to ask is that for a lot of engineering teams, they have a certain distance from the end user at times, especially when the organization matures. And you have customer functions or you have sales and marketing and whatnot that, that bridge the distance or, or spread the distance between the engineers and the end users. What are the instances or what are the cases in your own experience having worked at Flip that you're able to really see the impact of your work and say that I was part of the team that did that or, you know, my team and I were, were just discussing or debating about that a few months ago or something like that. So what I really love working in a startup is these kind of stories, right? Because in the typical big corporates, right? Sometimes you cannot really translate your effort into something that is tangible for your users or the business, right? So one thing I really love in a startup is you have this connection. Sometimes you will see, you know, either on social media, people say, oh, thank you, Flip. Because of you, then I could do whatever, right? So it could be saving money or sending money easily to other people. And there are so so many such stories I, I see internally, even on social media campaign. The fact that we also have this campaign of paying someone's wedding, <laughs> or maybe lately the campaign of how much that you have saved by using Flip. And also even the founder's story themselves in the beginning, I saw before I joined even like this story where they save this kind of 6,500, which is the fee of intrabank transfer. Once you do it maybe 10 times, right? You could actually buy a lunch or meal. If you do it even more often, right? Imagine how much savings that you can have for Indonesians. Yeah, because I think that amount is really worth a lot for many Indonesians. I mean, in the, in the first podcast we had with Ari, we were saying that, you know, it, it was equivalent to like a bowl of noodles or something like that. <laughs> so imagine the, the impact has been really clear and especially for the consumer fintech like Flip, like it's really easy to see how that reflects and even in Indonesian society. And you've been with Flip for around about two or three years. What are you most excited about towards the end of 2022 going into 2023? about Flip and specifically when it comes to your work in engineering? I think Flip is really growing rapidly. So as you mentioned in the beginning, so we have served or touched around 10 plus millions uh, users in Indonesia and keeps growing year over year. I see still a lot of more opportunities to help more millions of Indonesians, right? So I think this kind of scale and opportunity is pretty rare. I would say that sometimes I feel really humbled by this opportunity because where else can you really find a problem that you can serve millions of people? 
sometimes even like for us right creating podcasts i don't think it's easily touching millions of people <laughs> especially like a, a startup podcast or a <laughs> that's correct tech podcast so working at flip actually you have this opportunity to touch and create impact for millions of users and this are tangible impact which is money so very essential needs for many people for engineers ourselves along with this business opportunity companies growth there will be a lot of unique opportunity definitely like i mentioned i myself aspire to build a world class engineering team at least out of indonesia so we want to be a well known tech companies and not just building for the sake of building right so we want to start being well known for our thought leadership our kind of open source or any kind of things that we can share with the people so i think this kind of challenge will definitely suits a lot of engineers because engineers love to build complex things and also come up with a clever solution right to a problem so i'd like to depart a little bit from flip and move on to the other things that you are interested in or have been working on one thing is that you're a cloud advocate and so i wanted to you know use this opportunity to get your perspective on how cloud has been developing and certainly today more than ever before especially with a lot more like saas companies things like that a lot more people and businesses are dependent on the cloud how do you see the sustainability of this moving forward so to me having been in a cloud provider company I would say that the opportunity is tremendous and very immense right and even I think if we see Gartner you know market size of cloud right we are still not even reaching like 50% right so it's still largely untapped I would say that in the next few years cloud is really inevitable as more and more people leverage on cloud or moving their application systems into the cloud cloud will be almost like a utility like an electricity or water they can just tap whenever you need it so let's say i want to build some kind of automation you just go to a website and then you click few buttons and that there you go you have this automation in place so i believe that kind of future will definitely happen i just don't know when so because the pace of innovation is really rapid almost every few weeks or months you will see any new solutions in many parts of the world right and especially southeast asia also is a place where these kind of innovations can happen and one thing really beautiful about cloud right it actually accelerates rapid innovation simply because people now have access to this infrastructure and not just infrastructure they also have access to proprietary technology that previously only big companies have no matter you use aws or gcp or azure right previously there are technologies that only these big boys have right and now they open it up to many people things like ai ml data analytics and all that so you really have this opportunity to also innovate like them and that also levels up the playing field for many many people right so you really have a chance now to build a new startups a new business or new innovations that can actually help a lot of people so i think that is really really important which i think could really happen very very fast in right. the next few years i really love the comparison with electricity uh, and sort of democratizing how that eventually democratizes the way that people are able to make applications in the same way that electricity allows people to plug in their appliances wherever <laughs> in the same way cloud allows builders to actually build their apps on their own without that much dependency on certain infrastructure a quick follow up and tie in back to what you're doing at flip right and especially with the emergence of things like open banking and the importance of data and security and all these things how do you see your role in flip with regards to you know ensuring the way that you use cloud is secure and sustainable while still being efficient right definitely security and data privacy is on top of mind of everyone especially these days people are more aware about it right more educated about their data being used right either for advertisements marketing and all that 
I think security, maybe once in a while, you will see some kind of breaches happening and people aware of the kind of risk and impact that it will bring by having, you know, bad security practices. So I think for us at Flip, as a fintech company, as well as a company that serves financial related stuff to our users, we also have our responsibility to actually take care of security and data privacy really, really close to our heart. Security, I think from your data, the usage of your data, from the traffic itself, right, from your mobile app to our backend APIs. I think those kind of things, we have several measures to protect those data and traffic. And also at the same time, also for, you know, like hackers to intrude our infrastructure, right? We do have our policy measures as well sometimes to also take care of this kind of brute force attack or maybe random attacks from people. Of course, security is always evolving. No matter how much you invest time or effort in, there will always be new vulnerabilities because you keep changing. Imagine you always keep building your applications, right? You use different kinds of open source tools, different kinds of technologies. Of course, as and when you change, there will be new security vulnerabilities found. I think the key here is to be able to respond rapidly to any kind of vulnerabilities. And we are also investing our effort to do that, right? So building our team to, uh, to react faster to any kind of security findings out there. So definitely having things like cybersecurity policy, making sure KYC compliance and things like that are in place, even for the users. So they're also helping themselves secure their own data and, and their own usage of the apps. Another topic that I wanted to talk about, apart from Flip, apart from the cloud, is also your podcast, Tech Lead Journal. So maybe, you know, you can share with us why you decided to start a podcast and what are the three biggest learnings that you've had after, you know, talking to so many tech leaders from around the globe? I mean, isn't it that everyone is starting a podcast these days? Joke aside, I think still podcast has a room to grow, but I think my personal story is pretty unique in a sense that initially, actually, maybe a few years back, I didn't really enjoy podcasts and I find it strange that people actually enjoy it, right? Because every time I listen to podcasts, I almost guarantee, right, I will fall asleep or I'll just turn it off and do something else. But that one day changed when I tried to listen to podcasts while doing exercise. You know, I like to have a walk or jog. And one day I, I gave it a try, just listen to podcasts while I, I did my exercise. And by doing that, actually, I could really listen one full episode. And from there, actually, I realized that Okay, actually, there are so many free contents available out there created by so many, you know, brilliant thought leaders, guest authors, whoever that is. And it's just a matter of, you know, choosing, right? It's like Netflix, but free. You can just search whatever topics you want and you can just listen and learn while you do some kind of activities. So I think that's when I started to have my hobby into podcasts. And because I'm in tech, I also search for tech kind of a podcast. So many contents created are from, you know, the Western world, right? Either U.S., maybe some parts of Europe, but I could not find any significant one from Southeast Asia. And that's why I thought, okay, maybe this is a room for me to give it a try. So just try to build a tech-focused podcast coming from a Southeast Asian host, right? So it basically started as an experiment. I set a goal, maybe I, I want to do 100 episodes. So it was quite crazy that time, right? Because if you do it weekly, that means it's about two and a half years to reach that stage. But hey, I mean, here I am almost reaching 100 episodes now. On call as well as about to reach uh, 100 episodes soon. What have you learned so far from, you know, the guests that you've had on, on the podcast? I mean, from the guests themselves, right? They are thought leaders in their own selves, right? So there are so many learnings, right? And I, I invite people who are specialized in some different areas. So they are all great. But I think I would like to share probably... I mean, like if you're interested in some of the learnings from the guests, you can also hear it from the episodes. 
But I think I would share maybe my three biggest learnings, right? Because that will be probably something that I rarely share to many people, right? The first thing that I want to share is this thing called three C's, which I learned in one of the podcasts. So three C's actually stands for consume, create, and actually connect. So I've been the person who is a very good consumer last time, right? So I like reading. I like listening to podcasts. I like doing research and all that. So that is actually consuming. And that is fine. Many people think, by reading more or consuming more, you get more knowledge. But I would like to maybe give a different perspective is that, yes, you gain knowledge, but that knowledge is actually just a potential power, right? You, if you don't actually exercise it, then that means nothing. And that's why the second angle, which is to actually create. You can consume as, as much as you want, but if you don't actually do something about it, right? And that it means nothing. I think there are also this phrase where if you teach something to other people, right, you actually learn it twice. And that's where also this angle create comes in, right? So you learn something, you try to teach it with others, you create something, and then you let other people also benefit from it. And then when you share it to more people, right, this is the way the third angle connect means, right? Where you can probably create communities or you meet people that you probably didn't know before, right? And that will actually open up new doors for you. So I think I use these three C's as a foundation for my podcast journey so far. So I do all three at the same time, right? Every episode that I release, I have some aspect of consume, I have some aspect of create, and I have some aspect of connect as well. So that's actually the first biggest learning. The second learning that I have is that because my podcast is a weekly podcast, that means every week I have a deadline. So my learning from there is that you need to have this bias for frequent delivery and consistently. That's the another important thing, right? So when you have a weekly deadline, you don't have many rooms to delay. But consistency is also another thing, right? Many people want to do something. They, they do it for a while, but then they stop, right? I mean, the joke is that every year at the start, we want to go to the gym, exercise, you know, eat healthily. It happened maybe for the first few weeks or months, but then, yeah, we fell through to our previous habit, right? So one learning that I have related to this is that I found this quote, I think, it's attributed to different people. Maybe some people call it Bill Gates. Some people call it Amara. Is that most people actually overestimate what they can achieve in a year. So we think that we can achieve something in a very short while, but actually they underestimate what they can achieve in maybe five years, 10 years, right? If you do it consistently and repeatedly, because that's where the compounding effect actually happens. So I think bias for frequent delivery consistently is, I think, one key learning as well that I would like to share. The third is when I started, I didn't know anything about podcasts. I, I, I'm not into music. I'm not into audio. I didn't have a good mic and all that, right? But that actually should not stop you from doing something. So perfect is the enemy of good. Some of you might have heard about this, right? If you always aim for perfection, that means you will never release it because there's never a state of perfection that you will reach, right? So I think the key iterate shorten your feedback loop, give it a try, experiment, you know, hear whether people like it and just improve from there. And when you have a weekly release cycle, you will really, really have a lot of iterations there. <laughs> That's true. Whether it's, you know, or, or doing a podcast, there's iteration involved. And as you said, like perfect is the enemy of good, right? And I wanted to ask as well, like how, you know, this particular part of your life doing a podcast has impacted the way that you approach your work at Flip as well. Has there been any influence or impact? Oh, it's been immense because all the guests that I have so far, I've been fortunate, I mean, really to have all these guests willing to share within my podcast. They have been sharing a lot of great things, right? So they are well-known authors. They are well-known thought leaders in their fields. It's like every week, right? Every interview that I have is an opportunity for me to learn something new firsthand from these great people, right? 
And it's about tech, definitely, right? And since I'm working in tech, there are so many opportunities where I can really find places to implement what they're advocating, what they are sharing, maybe from their past experience. The onus is actually on me to actually look for opportunities where they, I can apply these new learnings because yeah, there are so many ideas, there are so many new things. So it's a matter of selecting what problems and you know applying which best practice. So I never run out of opportunities working in a startup, especially in a scale-ups. And another good thing about this kind of conversation is that many times it uncovers some of my blind spots simply because they have much more experience than me. I'm still, you know, in my mid-career, right? So there are still many unknowns, unknowns that I am learning myself as well. Figuring out the blind spots is also one thing that is really, really insightful for me. I think it's great. It's almost like you're taking a course that's helping you with your work, right? Like, you know, how some people send their employees to do some training courses or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> also you got them, it. But you actually enjoy what you're doing, right? You actually enjoy the course because it's something that you want to do, right? Speaking of the podcast, we'll definitely leave the link for you guys to check that out. And finally, to wrap up our call, one thing that we always ask our guests is what do you do to de-stress or, you know, take care of your mental health or do self-care? I would like to say creating podcast episodes. <laughs> That's like one way to de-stress. I mean, joke aside, right? My key message here is to actually for people to find other avenues to channel your focus, right? Or your consciousness. For me, it's creating podcasts. Sometimes it's like a way to really fully detach from work because when you work on something with focus, you tend not to get distracted with your other problems or things at work, right? Find other avenues to channel your focus, not just doing it ad hoc, but try to have it a more consistent schedule. And best is not to postpone it. By having this kind of regular transitions, you know, from work and to your hobby or your passion and things like that, hopefully it also naturally helps you to detach. Apart from creating podcasts, I, I love to have a walk or jog or sauna while listening to podcasts. And I love playing football once a week, at least with my football friends. Uh, on that note, thanks so much, Henry, for coming on on call with us and, and really giving us a look into your approach to having grown and engineering at Flip and leading 100 plus engineers that you have on the team at the moment also sharing how how you're able to ensure that your work really impacts a lot of people a lot of indonesians and also sharing a little bit on on cloud and also on the podcast which uh, you guys should definitely take a listen to and definitely excited to share more stories about flip hopefully maybe have you back on the show or, or more leaders from the company as well to talk more about their perspectives but in in the meantime you know it's been great to have you on thank you so much paulo for this uh, nice chat i really enjoyed so thank you so much for inviting me and if you guys want to join Henry and Flip as an engineer or across all functions that are hiring right now, so we'll leave a link as well for that in the podcast descriptions and you can check the open roles at Flip. Stay on the line with us for more conversations with our founders and investors in the region. Until our next call, I am Paolo Aquino and this has been On Call with Insignia Ventures.